0: Welcome and thanks for joining us for another sermon from True Vine Baptist Church. This week, we turn to the Book of Romans, as Pastor Ben Hartwig delivers his sermon titled The Glorious Gospel. If you'd like to join us, please turn to chapter 10 in Romans as we look through verses 14-15. through verses 14 to 15. And uh, while we're transitioning, a couple things pass along. One is uh, this Wednesday night, we'll have a uh, church business meeting, a couple of matters to go over there. Um, And I mentioned uh, a bit ago that we're going to be taking a break from the book of Romans, uh, just a a brief little season here of addressing some matters that as we look at culture and the need for the church to prepare for certain things looking at some of these things from scripture that we need to consider, uh, need to be ready for. Um, I'm sure I'm not saying anything you will find shocking uh, if I say that we're witnessing a great spiritual decline. Um, in the culture around us and there are certain things that are brewing that we believe the church needs to be ready for. So this morning's message is in that vein. Uh, Pastor Ben will be preaching uh, next weekend uh, again. Um, I'm still working and things so I'm available and all that. Uh, I'm going to be writing some curriculum uh, for the church in the coming week. So Pastor Ben will be preaching then I'll come back into the pulpit again and finish out this uh, brief uh, season, this brief series uh, out of the book of Romans and so some more to come in the future then. Ephesians chapter four, in this uh, greater passage, we, we have a section that's calling the church to use the gifts of the spirit that we have been given. Every believer is called as a priest of God, a minister of the gospel, Every Christian is called to be engaging and the, the, the church is meant to be this thriving, flourishing family community where we are serving one another in the gifts that God has given us in investing in relationships where we are holding one another accountable, consistently speaking the truth in love. And and when teaching is flowing and all of this fellowshipping relationship is happening as God wants us to, there's a result that God wants to happen. And we see that in verses 14 and 15 and it's part of what we'll consider for today. So Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ let's pray our lord god we ask that you will come and give us your blessing we ask god that is is Your sons and daughters, those who have trusted in Christ, Lord, we gather. We come and seek your face. We want your truth. We want discernment. We want to rightly divide your word. We want to know you, know your word. And Lord, we want to not fall to errors. We want to see with clarity. So we ask God that you will give us grace so that we are able to discern. Please shine light on your word. Please expose heresies, errors, false doctrine that we would not fall to him. Please nourish us on uh, the, the truth, the truth of your gospel, right doctrine, O oh God. So Lord, I pray that as we're going to take time uh, in, in this message to try to see your truth as contrasted with error, that you will give us grace, Please bless me, O God, um, Lord, that y'all be useful. Lord, set a guard over my lips that I not sin in the many ways that's possible, that I not say error. I don't want to teach uh, what is wrong. So please, God, lead me into what is, is true. Bless us, O God, to arrive at truth. Glorify your name by protecting your people, we pray. Please give us help. Please send us your spirit. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Richard Wurmbrand, um, whom I've told you about in the past, was a Christian of Jewish descent, uh, serving as a pastor in Russia um, when Stalin rose to power. Now, part of Stalin's aim in taking control of every aspect of life was also to gain control of the church, But you have to understand that in the beginning, he could not do this by force, just simply take it by power, not yet. And so what he did in the beginning is he seduced the church with the language of love. And you have to remember that communism was a newish idea. So when you hear that word, I'm sure that many of you, I hope all of you, um, have certain images that pop into your mind. Images of more than a billion people starving to death. Images of mass execution and torture. It's always what communism produces, but you have to understand that those images did not yet exist because this was a newish, sexy idea that all the cool people loved. The elites of society, this, this was the hip new thinking. We'll all live in a big community. It'll be great. Nothing but harmony. And it was sold as the way of love. Marxism always sells itself as um, being for the little guy. You know, don't you care about the poor? Don't you care about the oppressed? It sold itself as the way of love and the way of compassion. And if you disagree, then you are hateful. And the church... And I use the word church there broadly, Christendom, all of those who would claim to be the church, they bought it. Now, of course, not everyone, the, the Lord always preserves a remnant. There were faithful believers and an underground church. Richard Wormbrand uh, became a part of this movement, but the church in Russia did not just nibble the bait, they swallowed the lure whole. And in the beginning, as part of Stalin's plan to take control of the churches, uh, the communists convened a Congress of churches where they invited uh, churches from every different kind to come together for one great meeting. And 4,000 different priests and pastors and ministers all representing all kinds of denominations and groups all showed up in which the appeal was made to embrace and give your loyalty to this new government. And what Richard Wormbrand records is that one after another, priest and pastor and minister stood up at this Congress of churches and appealed to all of the rest to embrace and give loyalty to this new government because it is fundamentally the same as Christianity. That this is the way of love. Don't you care about the poor? If you care about the poor, then you will give loyalty to this new government. We hear those kinds of things, and it sounds impossible. At that Congress of Churches, those groups actually elected Stalin, voluntarily elected Stalin, to be the head over the Congress of Churches. How's that possible? I'm going to say several things today that they're so out there. They sound like fiction. Okay. Do we not also see similar kinds of things done in our land? Do we not also have politicians that out of their very lips specify their desire to destroy religious liberty and yet Christians vote for them? Does it not also happen? Of course it does. But what happened here, if, what you'll find is that if you study church history, you'll see that every time a new sexy idea begins to move through a culture, there's always a segment of the church that jumps in with both feet. Richard Wormbrand and his wife were there at that Congress of Churches. And as one minister after another appealed to the rest to join in, uh, his wife said to him, Richard, stand up and wash away the shame from the face of Christ. They are spitting in his face. To which he replied, if I do so, you lose your husband. She replied, I do not wish to have a coward as a husband. And so he did. And as expected, later he was arrested and then for years tortured and slowly starved. Uh, You can read about it, should read about it in his book that he wrote, Tortured for Christ. My point in bringing it up is that when we see this, there is a pattern, a pattern that has repeated itself numerous times throughout history, and it's a pattern on actually multiple levels. Critical race theory, um, I'll refer to it as CRT, critical social justice and intersectionality, have in our day set themselves forward as the way of love, and if you disagree, you're a racist. It set itself forward as the way of compassion, the way of caring for the oppressed. And, and again, the same kind of appeal was made as in the communist say, don't you care about the poor? In our day, it is, don't you care about the oppressed? Well, if you do, then you must join this movement. But it is an unbiblical ideology that is seducing swarms of Christians. And unfortunately, even within our own denomination, The proponents of CRT have made it crystal clear what they want to do. It's not conspiracy theory. They're saying things out of their very lips. Uh, The founders of the Black Lives Matter movement openly speak of their desire to destroy what they call the traditional family, what we would call the biblical family model and to undo, to end religious liberty. They openly speak of these things. And yet... We are seeing scores and scores of of within the church falling to the ideology, some embracing it as a whole. Others grabbing onto parts of it and thinking that they can sift through the parts and keep what they like and then get rid of some of the really severe things. But then others falling for new ideas that they don't know are linked to CRT. They don't know where it has come from, but they're adopting and their worldview is being changed by falling for some of these things. So there is a need to understand it. Just as from time to time, we need to address Darwinism. Okay, why? Well, because it seduces many in our culture and it threatens to seduce even those within the church. Well, similarly, we see there's danger here. Now, as I bring this up, um, I, I, I get it. You, you may not yet be aware of it and it may not yet be affecting the circle of influence that you take part in. You know, we, we live in small town USA, You may be thinking I'm never going to have to battle this. Well, I I hope not. (laughs) I hope it does peter out and become nothing. It doesn't appear. That's the way what's going to happen. However, there is a movement that is spreading like wildfire in both the secular and the religious world, critical race theory. If you've been paying attention to the national conversation, this has been all the buzz for some time now. Now, The fact that it is all the buzz makes me not want to talk about it, okay? I can't stand it when the pulpit is driven by the fads of culture. But it is the case. When there is an ideology or maybe some prevalent sin that is sweeping through and taking captive many within the church, that means we have to address it. Uh, Some of you may have been so involved in this, you're sick and tired of talking about it, okay? We have to warn. We have to battle. We have to address it. Um, ideologies come and go. You know, at any given time in a culture, there might be dozens of different philosophies, re- religion, ideologies that are affecting and tripping up some. If, if we addressed every single one of them, it's all we would ever do. That's what every sermon would, ever, would always be about. What we're shown in scripture is our consistent diet as we study the word of God and it addresses them. But from time to time, every once in a while, there's one that for whatever reason or another, it begins to trip up multitudes and it needs to be addressed and battled just as Paul did for the church at Colossae when he battled early Gnosticism and just as he did in, uh, to the Galatians as he was battling the false gospel threatening there. America is seeing its own um, threats and dangers in CRT sweeping through. Now, from the beginning... Um, Let me um, be careful to cite my source uh, as the primary place where I get most of my information. Because as a bit of a side note, uh, a recent scandal has hit the Christian world. Uh, A list of uh, high uh, profile preachers uh, have been caught stealing one another's sermons, um, uh, hiring sermon writing staff, uh, and even hiring a company to write their sermons for them. Uh, One of these uh, high profile preachers, it was found out, has a staff of eight full-time sermon writers. You did not know that Pastor Ben and I were doing the work of nine men. You are welcome, okay? Um, but I can assure you, Pastor Ben and I, this is not our approach. Uh, we may milk a lot of cows, but we churn our own butter, okay? Uh, but I do want to tell you the primary source of where I'm getting these things. Vody Bauckham's book, Fault Lines, is, is in, in my opinion, the provision of God for this battle. When the church was battling Pelagianism, God raised up Augustine. When the church was battling Arianism, God raised up Athanasius. When the church was battling 19th and 20th century German liberalism, which swept through America like wildfire, God raised up J. Gresham Meacham. God raises up servants to be not perfect and not infallible, but a help to the church to think through clearly and to sound the the warnings of danger. And so Votie book is one that I commend to you. I'll mention another resource today as well. I believe one day the church generations from now will look back on this battle as we look back at the hundreds of battles from church history and later generations will look back on this one and be like, what were those idiots thinking? How could they fall for that? Just as we look back at Christendom's response to Stalin, And we think, how could you fall for something like that? But you have to understand when it is the air that you breathe and all around you, all the cool people are promoting it, it is easy to be seduced. So there is a need for the church to give clarity in these things. So it is my attempt today to shed some light on these. I'm going to do it in four different parts. Let me start with the call to battle godless ideologies. So in Ephesians 4, in the text that we just read, Paul is explaining the work of the church and how the church is to be flourishing in ministry to one another. Teaching in all different kinds are happening because you know, the, the, the church's preaching and teaching ministry happens in numerous ways. There's the preaching, like this. There's the, um, you know, calmer teaching that takes place in Sunday school or Wednesday nights, those kinds of things. But you also have to understand there's the teaching ministry that the church has in individual conversations with one another as we talk through life matters and issues and we speak the truth to one another. And what Paul gets to there is that when this is flourishing and happening, it will have a result that the people of God will be built up, strengthened, given grounding, and that we will not be, you notice the language there, not like spiritual children, gullible and ungrounded, and then not like, you see that part there where it talks about something on the, on the waters and the winds and the waves are pushing it wherever they will. We're not to be like an object, an ungrounded object floating on the surface of the waters. And if one wind of trickery of men comes along, it just blows us wherever the culture's moving at the time. Or some wave of doctrine of the, n- the newest, whatever, whatever the newest idea is. This, if you're, if you're, if you're going to live for more than the next couple decades, you're going to see more than this. This is a constant theme. New thinking, ideologies, philosophies, really just repackages of old ideas. They sweep through every so many years. And we are not to just be pushed by whatever the newest thinking is. We are to be grounded. The New Testament is filled with language that calls us to work hard, to live in the Bible, live in the word of God so that we are grounded and that we are not carried away and the New Testament is filled with language that we are to battle and address false teaching, false doctrines, Colossians 2, 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. According to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Constant theme in the New Testament. That traditions of men will come and go. New philosophies will be introduced. Don't be swept away by them. Live in the word of God so that you know it and you are able to see these dangers. In 1 Timothy 4, 6, we're told in pointing out these things to the brethren... Speaking of the doctrines and the warnings that he just spoke to Timothy, he says, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. What what does right doctrine do? Nourishes. It nourishes. It feeds us and grows us and matures us. So understand this. Fluff doctrine is fluff and it does not feed, you will eventually starve from lacking the essential nutrients. Spiritual sugar is just that. There's a little burst of energy, but then it does not give you what your body needs. And spiritual poison poisons the body. Doctrinal toxins They affect the internal organs and they lead to us being corrupted. Right doctrine nourishes and spiritual doctrines, doctrines destroy. We must never think that it doesn't matter. Listen to me. More than a billion people starved to death as a result of communist ideology. Doctrine has consequences, in our nation, we have seen parts of cities burn as the consequence of ideas. Ideas have consequences. And even if it is not that dramatic, it doesn't have to be that sensational to destroy my soul or your soul. And that's why scripture calls us to destroy speculations, to take every thought out. Captive to obedience to Christ. So now secondly, let's spend some time and I'm going to, I'm going to take 15, 20 minutes here and uh, just define CRT and its core teachings and what it is uh, as according to its, its founders and such. Now, let me first of all say that I have taken great pains to be accurate. And I, I, there is not slander Happening by making exaggerated claims, which sometimes happens in debates and discussions, that doesn't honor God. We're told not to malign. I've taken great pains to be accurate. So I am going to give a lot of interpretation on these things, but I've taken pain to be accurate. CRT maintains that racism is the deepest root answer to what is wrong with the world, that Racism is the big story that defines the world. Racism is the great and original evil. Now, let me me pause already and point this out. What's wrong with the world? How you answer that question is a major component of your worldview. Uh, How you see everything, every philosophy, ideology, religious movement, political movement is all trying to answer this question. What's wrong with the world? And then the follow-up questions, what's the answer? How do we fix it? So over and over again, philosophies have come through and tried to say, well, here's the big, here's the root problem. Here's the thing that ties the whole world together. What's wrong? Well, there's been certain philosophies that said things like, you know, the big thing wrong with, with mankind is uh, ignorance. And if we could just get education to every part of the world, we would lift mankind out of violence. Wars would cease and everybody would live in great harmony because of education, Every philosophy is trying to answer this question. God in the Bible has told us what is the deepest root answer and what is wrong with the world. It is sin against the holy God. And the answer is the redemption that God has accomplished by sending his son. More on that that we'll discuss in a bit. But CRT says that racism is the great root problem in the world. Why are there wars, racism, you know, what is, what is wrong with our land, racism again and again. And that racism can only be done one way, one direction. By those in power towards those they are oppressing. It cannot happen the other direction. And CRT says that in our land, in this western world, the great problem then, is white people. The great problem is whiteness. Now again, let's, let's pause for a second. If you haven't looked around at your church body, you're a part of it in a little while, the amount of melanin in skin is kind of similar. We are not a white church. We're a church of the Lord Jesus Christ seeking to reach every tribe, tongue, people and nation and whoever God calls, that is who we will gladly welcome to be a part of this church family. We happen to live in a place where there is a lot of uniformity, but it is also the case that some would look in at us uh, uh, addressing CRT and would say pretty convenient of you guys. There you are a white church. And so of course you would uh, rebel against this kind of teaching but look the answer is regardless of the color of skin the fact of the matter is god has spoken from heaven and his word is the authority whether it is convenient or inconvenient crt sees the world with all of its elements in light of a race of oppressors subjugating the rest so here's 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 a quote kind of a technical quote from ucla crt recognizes that racism is ingrained in the fabric and system of the American society. The individual racist need not exist to note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. So, So to interpret that, the big thing wrong with our nation, with our culture is whiteness in general. That even if you individually don't participate in racism of any kind, you are still a white supremacist, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that, by the way. The big problem is whiteness, and you are a part of a system of whiteness that is meant to oppress people of color. Uh, Whiteness is inherently evil. Tim Keller, a Presbyterian preacher who has fully embraced CRT, says this, if you have white skin, the Bible says you are involved in injustice. White people need to say, I am the product of and standing on the shoulders of other people who got that through injustice. The Bible says you are involved in injustice, even if you didn't actually do it. CRT maintains that if you are white, then you are a racist and you are a part of a system of white supremacy that is designed to subjugate. Whiteness is evil. So it views all of life through this lenses of an oppressor race. In one sense, it's it's like the old fashioned identity politics that's been around for a long time. But in another sense, it's like that old fashioned version took steroids and became a religion. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that it is religious in nature. It reduces every dimension and all of life down to all of society, down to one discussion, one joint answer to everything, racism. So, all white people are white supremacist, and here's the next part, for which there is no cure. There is no redemption. There is no fixing of white people that can happen, and all people of color are oppressed. This is an unfixable situation, and so the only solution is to educate everyone and get everyone on board so that we can undo Society, A.K.A. burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground and then rebuild it, but this time with people of color in power. So I I just want to make sure that I emphasize this part here because it is a critical aspect of it. There's no cure. Whiteness is evil and there is no redemption. There is no fixing it. Society must be toppled. Now, next part here. CRT also teaches critical social justice, which says that the fact that some people have wealth and others do not is unjust. For some people to have a nice house while others do not, this is injustice. It's injustice for some people to, to live a, a, a nice life and others, while others live in poverty, this is an injustice. And so now, as I say that you're probably thinking, okay, asking some obvious questions there. Okay. Well, well, what about, well, I mean, some people work hard while others do not. Some people are lazy. Uh, some people pursue a doctorate. They give great sacrifices to get great education while others drop out of high school. Some people live a life of addiction while others save their money. I mean, what about these kinds of things? Okay, those kinds of questions are exactly right. The Bible teaches personal responsibility, but critical social justice teaches that all disparities of this way are unjust, and the culprit is racism and only racism. (laughs) And see, it is that only racism part that is such a critical thing here because CSG teaches that if someone works hard and produces a successful business, racism is what gave them their success. If a person of color drops out of school, for instance, it is racism that drove this. If someone lives in addiction, the the answer is racism is what drove this to come about. Now, this next statement would be objected to by those who hold to CR2, but it's still true nonetheless. CRT essentially undoes the role of personal responsibility. Now, let me once again pause here because here's, here's where I have some fear. Because when we as Christians see folks living in impoverished conditions, our hearts are to break. As the sons and daughters of God living in this world, we are called to minister to the hurting. We are called to step in and, and give grace and serve and minister and seek to try to raise people out of destitution regardless of what brought this situation about, whether it was something done to them unfairly or whether it was personal choice. see, if someone is in addiction, Okay, the the world is always trying to, whether it be through secular psychology or whatever, the world is always trying to work to remove personal responsibility. So, you've probably heard this kind of thing um, well, addiction isn't a choice. Actually, it's the very definition of a choice. We recognize that a whole host of factors, complex things, childhood, environment, all those kinds of things can increase temptation. But there is the role of personal responsibility. If any of us are engaging in something, we are accountable before God and responsible before God for this. But let's make this clear. As believers, we do not walk up to someone who is in addiction, veer down at them from our lofty tower and say, it's your fault and your responsibility and walk away. That is cold, loveless and heartless. That is not the Christian response. And so one of the things that I want to make clear today is that there is a difference between the biblical way of looking at these things and the political way of looking at these things. They are not the same. And we could have a temptation to merely join with the political response to these things, but it is off base in a different kind of way. There are dangers from the left and the right. We must be true to scripture But at the same time, we must categorically reject the idea that an individual does not have personal responsibility. We reject the ideology as it paints a false worldview and gives erroneous answers. Answers that won't work in the end. Here's the next part. CRT preaches that the great work of righteousness... The great work of righteousness in this new religion is to do the work of activism. Activism, the work of anti-racism. So you're going to start hearing that kind of language, the work of anti-racism. All people, okay, so this is this is what they're preaching. All people, we need to get this message out and all people need to hear this message so that they become woke. Woke is the word used to describe What happens when a person hears this new distorted gospel and they come to be awakened to believe it? You hear all the religious connotations in this. I'm not joking when I say that it is religious in nature. They're speaking in terms of a new birth. And so now there are actually Christian preachers writing books called Woke Church calling the church to hear this new message and be born again, reborn in awakening to understand these things. This movement has its own distorted gospel through a new distorted evangelism. They have their own distorted new birth, their own priest, their own law, a set of of, of righteous good deeds, a set of unrighteous, evil wickedness of racism. When the Bible shows that mankind is religious by nature, it's not joking. You can't fail to be religious. You you, you will be religious in regard to something. And the Christians who are embracing this and are calling the the rest of the church to do the same are now calling the work of anti-racism is now what the church needs. The need of the hour is for social lecturers to come into the church. So the need of the hour is not for biblical preaching is for social lectures to come in and tell white people about the guiltness, the the guilt that they are associated with. When we ask them, where is this in the Bible? Where are you getting this idea that this is now the need of the hour? What we are told is that CRT is an analytical tool revealed by common grace and therefore needs to be implemented last, last part that I'll address here under this section. And that is some ramifications of CRT, some application that is called for and some of the results that it produces. So first, what it produces is a victim identity. If you haven't caught on, uh, being a victim is hip today. It's all the rage to be a victim. What is what is being pushed? And and, and parents, I want you to start watching for this in the books, the movies, the TV programs that you allow your children to watch. You're seeing this new push. Victimhood is, is now what is cool. And what is happening is that there is this guilt that is associated. If you come from a healthy background, you are, quote, privileged to come from these things. There's now all this guilt being associated with this. You should be ashamed if you come from a healthy family with a healthy background. And we all want to be oppressed and find a way that, to, to, to show the world, hey, hey, I'm oppressed too, and receive sympathy for this. It's producing a movement through uh, teenagers that is now driving for for, uh, young men and women to want to have these different sexual minorities that there's associated with so that they can be included in a group of oppression because that is what is hip. The more oppressed you are, the more sympathy you get, the cooler and more accepted you are. It creates a victim identity that is ruining people's lives and devastates culture. It will result in more despair, more depression, more suicide, and destruction of all who participate in it. Instead of inspiring people to rise up, work, go, sweat, build, work. Instead instead demands adopting a posture of victimhood. Secondly, it preaches and inspires hate and rage. It preaches a message of refusal to forgive. It preaches a message calling for the, the holding of grudges. I mean, ironically, it is being preached as the way of love, just like communism was, but it is anything but. It is heralding a message of continual rage. One devotional, a devotional written from this perspective uh, ended with a prayer for you to pray along. And the prayer began like this. Dear God, help me to hate white people. Thirdly. By removing personal responsibility, it eliminates the call for individual repentance. No one sees the need to repent if you are told none, uh, nothing that you've done is your fault. Fourthly, it calls for society to be undone or overthrown. The answer, the only answer is to topple it to the ground. Now, you who have studied history, you hear in that, It's Marxist heritage. Um, I'm not saying a word of slander when I say this next statement. This is a fact. CRT is a child of Marxist ideologies. The founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, the three founders, uh, were in their own words, trained Marxist. This is a Marxist movement and it shares so many of its qualities. Marxism always sells itself as for the little guy. Don't you care about the hurting? Don't you care about the oppressed? Don't you care about uh, those who are uh, receiving racism? But really, it is nothing but hatred. It hates success. It hates those who prosper. It hates those who have. It is envious of anyone who is doing well and calls for society to be burned to the ground. Marx was famous for the line that I'm sure you remember, there is no change without bloody revolution. And then the call would be given, now get in there and get your hands bloody. Fifthly, its impact on Christianity. Many Christians who are, and and, and when I use the word Christian there, I'm using the broadest sense, Christendom, any who claim the name of Christian. Christian. Many who are embracing this are now declaring that white people do not have the gospel and have never had the gospel. There is a new, um, a new call to abandon all preaching, teaching books and theology by white people, abandoning the reformation because there were white people involved Those who are embracing this because they have just believed this root that whiteness is inherently evil, They are often teaching that being woke is now a gospel issue. That if you deny this new doctrine, you have now denied an essential doctrine of the gospel and therefore cannot be saved because you have perverted the gospel. The great irony is what is being added to the gospel. This has not been there in history. This is new. This is the effect of the winds of philosophy blowing through, and their addition to the gospel is now perverted. The gospel. And so, what is happening is that now, in a multitude of ways, churches, preachers, Christians are taking all of it, most of it, some of it, or parts of it, and integrating it with Christianity. Integrating it with Christianity. You know, when, when missionaries come to parts of the world that practice animism, for instance, what they very often uh, say is, you know, when the gospel is preached, there will be some who believe it wholeheartedly, and then there will be some who take Christianity and mix it in with their animistic practices. They integrate it together. This is exactly what happened with the early Gnosticism in the early church. That's why Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians in the church history that came afterwards. It continued. This is exactly what many churches have done with Darwin's theories, integrating it into their belief of the Bible. This is exactly what happened in Wormbrand's day in Russia. Pastors and churches in Russia, like the Reformed Lutheran church body in his day, said God had spoken in three ways in history, first through Moses, second through Jesus Christ, and third through Joseph Stalin and each one superseding the one before. Again, we hear that and go, that sounds so crazy, it's fiction, okay? Have we in our own land ever seen Christians take a president and treat them like a Messiah figure? Have we ever seen a a, a Donald Trump poster uh, put out in a church foyer as a Messiah-like figure? Dangers from the left and the right. This kind of stuff, it happens in history. There was, but how, how did it come about? If, if, we look at, if we look at Russia and say, okay, how do, how do you ever get to that point? The answer is a long process. A long process of abandoning biblical truth for generations so that every week when the, the church gathers together, the, the preacher wants to entertain instead of feed Generations where whatever is taught in the pulpit is just whatever the newest fad of society is, no matter what it is this week. If it's success, if it's anti-bullying, whatever, it's just driven by the fads of culture. You go through that for generations and eventually there comes a day when a group can't recognize something deeply obvious. We are seeing churches embrace Aspects or integrating some of it. We're seeing a great deal of them say, well, I don't believe what, what, what those founders are saying and their animistic practices, because that is a real thing, by the way, amongst the founders of some of those. I, I'm rejecting some of those big things, but I just think they have some points. Look, app- apply that to Stalin's practices. Well, I reject him starving a billion people, but I think this part is right. You're falling for the philosophy. Because Hollywood actors think it's cool. Because the elites around you think it is cool. Christian, make no mistake, the statement I'm going to say next, some would say is dramatic. I do not believe that it is. You are living in the days of an attempted revolution. It is our hope that it will not gain any more steam and that it will just peter out. But you are living in days of an attempt And just like revolutions of the past, the church faces the test of standing or succumbing or even enjoining in the sin of the reaction, which happens as well. Thirdly, let's interact with the Bible, biblical answers. Of course, we've already been addressing some of this. Racism does exist. Now, that's not the word that the Bible uses as we've pointed out in the past, and for good reason, the biblical word would be partiality, hatred. The word racism, just by the etymology of the word assumes that there are different races of men, which is a Darwinian concept and not a biblical one. There's the the reason why your worldview is formed by the early chapters of Genesis. We are all descended from one man, Adam, that after the tower of Babel, as the nations spread out in in, uh, Genesis 10 and 11, what's what's referred to there as the table of nations, that there are different ethnicities, cultures, tribes, languages, but there are not different races of men. Now. We will from time to time use that language. I do think we need to be careful with it as much as we can uh, insert the biblical word rather than the culture's word, partiality. But this partiality and hatred based on skin color, it does exist. It has existed. It has hurt, enslaved, impoverished, wrecked lives. We must recognize this. We must recognize it as a factor that plays into some of these things. And to what extent this exists today, we may have differing opinions on those things. Uh, Some may believe that it exists in extreme measures and want to devote work in order to bringing reform and helping the hurting, but still reject CRT. John MacArthur Marched with black men and women in the civil rights movement. He was arrested standing beside the oppressed. He was heavily involved in the work for reform of culture, but MacArthur sees the danger of this ideology and calls the church to reject it. We do need to recognize there are real problems that need real solutions, but therein is the issue. CRT paints the world in a way that is not accurate and it offers solutions that do not work. We must understand that the only thing that actually heals and redeems and accomplishes the work of God are the methods of God. Again and again, the Bible says you cannot take the traditions and the wisdom of men and then accomplish the work of God. The work of God is accomplished by the means of God, by the methods of God. What we have to understand is CRT in the end will not work. It's not just that it's technically bad, but boy, I wish I could use it. No, it won't work. It will not be effective. Just as communism in the end did not help the poor. CRT will not be a blessing to society. CRT attempts to paint the world in a way that isn't consistent with reality. Racism is not the unifying theme of all of history and the great root evil. A five-year-old girl is not to blame for the wicked deeds of the past. Ezekiel says that a a little um, sort of worldly proverb that some of the Israelites used in, in, in Ezekiel's day, that the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth is set on edge God said, that's untrue. Each person is individually accountable before God. Now, to be clear, the Bible also shows if we participate in sins of the past, we join ourselves to those who have gone before. Remember, Jesus talked about this when those who would put him to death, he says, you are joining yourselves to those who killed the prophets before, but each is individual or responsible individually. Next, the color of your skin does not justify or condemn you. Romans 3, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. And Luke 13, Jesus shows that in Leith, unless each one of us repents, we will all likewise perish. Next, the Bible does not teach that equality of outcome is a matter of justice. See the law of Moses. What, you know, what is the standard civil law? God created a nation and he gave a civil law to that people. The law of Moses reveals righteousness. But then the matter of greatest importance, you know, if we were to keep listing these things, we would go on and on and on. I'm hoping that as I listed a number of them over uh, up in the start, your, your minds were instantly recognizing a great many of the dangers. But the, the matter of greatest importance... The great unifying theme of history and the only thing that will actually ever bring reform and healing is the truth of the gospel. That's not just an empty statement because you're at church. It's the truth. God sent his son in order to redeem. The only redemption that is available is through the grace of Christ. Christ gives individual forgiveness And then individual transformation, and we have seen this over and over in history, then transform entire cultures. This has happened over and over and over again. Listen, the reform of culture is not our highest aim. The salvation of souls is. That is our highest aim. But as that happens, what we see is that over and over again, God has taken that and has reformed cultures. Redemption isn't going to come any other way at the individual level or the corporate level. What God has done in his son is the only thing that actually does heal. Every other attempt will always fail. The message of the gospel, it changes hearts to the deepest root level. What is the deepest root level? It is the sin against a holy God. And by salvation that Jesus purchased with his blood and that you can receive by turning to him in faith. The salvation that Jesus purchased brings forgiveness and then transformation. The hateful become loving by the work of salvation and sanctification. The lusting finds contentment. The fornicator finds power for self-control. The angry is brought to peace. Not always quickly, easily, and automatically, but by the work of God's spirit changing the person. This is how Christianity has changed the world. And yes, it has done this. Sometime read about the dark ages, and then what happened when the gospel came to town. Everything was turned upside down. Ruthless, brutal cultures were brought to greater peace. Not perfect peace, not total peace, but a whole lot greater peace by believers living gospel lives there. All over the world throughout history, women have been mistreated, abused, demeaned, and the presence of the gospel made their world better for them. Widows and orphans cared for, hospitals and orphanages. And while in the the whole world, listen to me, in the whole world, partiality, racism has been a part of every culture, every year of this world's history since the Tower of Babel. This land is not unique. You know, this, this whole idea that something's happening here that doesn't happen in other places. This has happened everywhere all over the world. And when the gospel comes to town, it brings transformation. Christians have not always done it with excellence. I believe there have been times that the Lord gave discipline to his people for not fulfilling it as we should. But it's still the, 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 the truth. The only answer that will work is the truth of God. It's the salvation purchased by Christ. Only the gospel brings actual reform for the better that can last and that will work. Christian, do not be ashamed of the gospel. And it is being ashamed of the gospel to think, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, but if we're gonna fix this, we need something more than the word of God. That's not believing that the gospel is enough. The gospel is sufficient. Do do not be ashamed of the power of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Fourthly, lastly, how do we respond? This is not exhaustive, but let me offer some things. First, Christian, never stop studying the word of God. Live in the Bible. Once a week, Christianity is not going to be enough for you. And also five minute devotionals. It's not enough. Christian live in the Bible. And and as I've said many times and will continue, this is not all of Christianity. Christianity is not just one big Bible study, but we are shown in the word of God that it is a crucial part of walking in the light. We must be nourished on the sound doctrine. If not, we will fall for seductive Lies. One more resource that I want to commend to you. Uh, John MacArthur, Vody Bockham, Tom Askell, and some others uh, convened together back in 2018, I believe the date is, and formed the Dallas Statement on Social Justice uh, and the Gospel. I've printed off some copies up here uh, for you to take. If we run out, I will print more. So feel free to grab those. Secondly, we must engage and speak the truth in love and both of those aspects that I just mentioned are critical. We desperately need to speak the truth and we must do so in love. Truth given without love often creates resentment towards the truth. If we back people into a corner and berate them with the truth, But love without truth is soft and weak and never saves those uh, who who need uh, addressed. We need truth and love. Titus 3.2 tells us to malign no one. 2 Timothy 2.24 says that we are to be kind to all, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth um, to do his will that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Those who hold and promote CRT are not to be maligned and not to be slandered. We hate their ideology, the ideology. We hate the resistance to God but we are of the light and there is a way to behave that undoes the truth that we speak. But then there is a way to speak that helps people receive it. You know, in the book of Proverbs, we're told that a gentle answer turns away wrath. There's a principle about human nature there, that there's a way to speak. If we back people into a corner that berates, we we put up their defenses, but then there is a way to speak that we make it easy for them to believe. We are to speak the truth in love. Thirdly, We must love and actually love. One of the great warnings that I give to us believers is, let's not let our resistance to CRT callous our hearts towards the hurting themselves. We still have a job to do. Our job doesn't change because there are different, uh, dif- different uh, false ideological ways that are being promoted about it. We must love and actually love. 1 Corinthians 13, if I give away all that I have, if I know all mysteries, uh, have faith to move mountains, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. We must be careful that our objection to CRT is not political at heart. Don't hate CRT because your conservative news you watch tells you to. And don't simply join the opposite sides resistance which will often be sinful. There are times to see co-belligerence but not joining wholeheartedly with a movement. We can't just reduce this to politics. It's too important for that. And fourthly, another one of the great needs of the hour is for courage. It is for courage. And one of the aspects of this, and there's more to come in some of the messages ahead as we consider this, is this. We are finding more and more where we hear this kind of thing where people will say, well, you know, I I believe what you're saying, but you just can't say those kinds of things anymore. Did you know that that is exactly what was done pre-communist Russia as well? There was a brewing in the culture where the average person knew that some of the things that were being promoted were utter lies, but they were afraid to say it. They were afraid to speak for fear of being shouted down and scorned by the culture around them. We must not fall to that cowardice. You can't say those kinds of things anymore. That is a recipe that will bring about exactly what those folks want. We must have courage to speak. In Canada this very week, multiple churches burned over citizens setting fire to them over these and matters just like these that we are addressing because the culture as a whole has a growing animosity towards the church. The times very well may be becoming when believers will be despised for resisting the things that we are, Christian You must be prepared for that. In your mind and in your heart, we must get ourselves to a place that we are okay with being called things that we are not, being shouted at as a racist for denying these things. Do not let it faze you. March on and continue to do the work of God. Fulfill and obey as you know that you are to. We must speak the truth and be prepared to be the subject of ridicule. Hebrews 13, near the end of that letter, ends with a call where we're told Jesus suffered outside of the gate, outside of the community of approval. Let us go to him, bearing his reproach. And if you have not believed the gospel yourself, that you have sinned against the holy God, that your sin is so bad and the wrath that you deserve is so severe that the only hope that you have is that God sent his son Jesus to be tortured and die on the cross for sins and then raised from the dead. If you have not believed this, you must understand that you yourself are going to appear before God and you are responsible for you. You will give account for your life And you are separated from the God that you must be right with. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you will receive forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. Trust in Christ. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we ask that you'll give us help to live as your people in this world. Lord, it seems overwhelming at times that at any given moment... There's not only temptation to fall to various sins of actions, but also the need to battle doctrines. So Lord, we pray help us, strengthen us, uphold us, bless us, O God, to walk in the light. Lord, to uh, to give the warnings, Lord, to teach the truth. I ask God that you will help us to make the gospel crystal clear in these days, protect us, bless us. Keep us from falling to the various temptations, whichever side they come from. And Lord, we pray that we'll live lives worthy of the gospel. Please give us your blessing as we leave. We ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message tune in again next week as we continue through God's Word at True Vine Baptist Church. We also invite you to like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at truevineind or visit our website at true-vine-baptist.org